Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Christy and I, as a married couple for, uh, good night, 17 years or something, uh, and that was a, whew, that was a roll of the dice there. Uh, going, you know, going on 17 years, we, we, we took the risk, uh, this week and we went, we went shopping together, uh, for stuff in our house. And so, uh, we had a room, we moved into our house a year and a half ago or so, and we had a room, um, that, that, uh, we've kind of dubbed the family room, but it's kind of a, a pass through room that goes to our backyard. So inevitably we just kept dumping all that yard equipment and yard games and whatever else in that room. But, um, we, we wanted to, to put stuff up, but we always put it off, you know, not, not enough time, not in the budget, whatever. So finally, we, my wife was like, babe, would you, would you go to Kirkland's with me? Uh, now I heard, um, hey, babe, do you want to argue for three hours? So I don't know if, if I was hearing the same thing, but I was just like, uh, I was like, yes, honey, I would love to go to Kirkland's. And, uh, so we ended up, I don't know if I said it that way, but it sounds good for a story. I, <laughs> I ended up, uh, we ended up going to Kirkland's. And so here's the deal, like, um, Though, though I'm, I'm a dude, right? Like I'm a hunter gatherer. And so, um, a lot of times if a guy goes to a store, it's kind of like, I know what I'm after. I'm going to find it, you know, you know, kill it and then bring it home. We'll cut it up and eat it. Uh, but, uh, but you know, you ladies, you have a way of, um, uh, looking at every barcode in the store. And so, uh, so, so that's what we did. We had a good time looking at barcodes, but we, we, we walked around and, and, um, so I'm piecing all this together and ultimately we, we stack up all of our stuff. And it was funny because the store's about to close. The announcement comes over and they're like, Shh, you know, closing down in five minutes. And so, uh, I, I was like, okay, we're going into action. So we lined up everything that I've been looking at for the last three hours and, uh, got, got kind of the whole room all in one, one fell swoop. And uh, Christy had her her app ready, so we had 25% off, and we're just killing it, killing the game, killing the game. So, uh, in the midst of all of that shopping, I saw um, these signs, and um, we didn't get any, but I thought they were cool. And uh, here's here's one. So in this house, we do second chances, we do grace, we do love, we do we do mistakes, we do hugs and family. Isn't that great? Isn't that ah. Right? We do. Here's another one. It's a similar kind of a we do thing. Uh, we, we, in this house, same thing. We do hugs of grace. We do family, love, second chances. We do real. We do I'm sorry. And, uh, so it's kind of setting a tone, right? For a home. And that's really the series that we're in is, is just as a family of God, as a church of God, what do we do? What do we do? And so today I, I want to remind, uh, you, I want to, Remind us through the scriptures what we're called to do and who we're called to be. Over the last few months, we've gone through different series. We talked about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit that, that moves in us then the Holy Spirit that moves through us. And then now we're at a stage where we say, okay, but our faith's not individualistic. Our faith's just not ourselves. Our faith means that we're a part of a, a family of God. And so we, the church, we, the church, what do we do? Who are we as the church. So I want to encourage you, if you would, go to First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. We're going to read from thirteen to seventeen, and uh, it goes a little something like this. 
Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Some of us need to underline, circle, highlight, bite your finger right with blood. Like, that is good. Do this with gentleness and respect. We'll get into a little bit of this. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, people saying wrong things about you, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that shall be God's will, than for doing evil. You see, you have a choice and I have a choice. This whole passage actually, um, it's a really great passage about uh, people who, who treat you wrong even though you're doing the right thing. And uh, this, this whole passage even gets into to men and women and, and marriage and what is that relationship. And if you look closely at what the Lord tells the man, a lot of it has to do with, with hey, don't be a jerk. And, and so when you get into the rest of the passage, it's like, hey, what happens if you're doing right and you're following the Lord? But man, people seem to be mean to you. And um, so I want to unpack this and show you um, what we do kind of anyway. Uh, no matter what's going on, no matter who's uh, pushing you, pulling you, giving you a hard time, treating you badly. A lot of us, when we get treated badly, we feel like it's an excuse to treat others badly. We get called on the carpet and somebody says, hey, that was really wrong how you did. And you know what our first reaction almost all the time is? But you didn't see what they did to me. And so the scriptures, though, say, you know what? Um, I, I don't really care. It's kind of like a, a dad, you know, dad to mom and the kids are fighting. And, and you, you say, hey, I heard a bad word or something or I heard a meanness come out. And so, hey, I want to correct that. What, what, what happens inevitably is the, the kids come down with fingers pointed. And as a parent, you just go, hey, I'm not sure what happened before that, but we're not going to tolerate what I heard here. Now, we could talk about what happened before that, and we'll deal with that separate, but I'm correcting you right now for what happened here. And so the Lord calls us as His church to do a few things, even if we're under some pressure. Let's look at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be what? Blessed. Even if. Everybody say, even if. So even if you do me wrong, even if you put me down, even if you make fun of my faith, even if, even if, even if, the point is not that I, that I veer off my faith suddenly as some kind of permission slip given, but actually even if in the midst of people being mean to me, even if in the middle of people hurting me, even in the middle of society harming me, making fun of what I believe, even if, even if I have a standard. If you're jotting notes, write this down. We do good, period. Period. As the family of God, as the church of the living God, we do good, period. Even if, even if, Miss Colleen and her ministry in East Baltimore, there are a lot of even if moments. Even if moments. You got drug dealers doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. You got ladies of the night doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. You got people getting high right on the steps of the church. Even if. 
many of us, we don't know what that feels like. We're just like, no, 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 no. Like if they're doing this or doing that, doing that, I'm coming in. We're going to, you know, guns blazing. Let's do it. No, no, no. Even if as a church of the living God, we do good. Period. Period. We do good. Even if people don't seem to be worthy of your best, we give God our best, often through people. The Scripture says that we might be entertaining angels without knowing it. This idea that, that we walk through life and you and I look at life as a series of horizontal events and God looks at this thing as a series of vertical events. Meaning that you are pre-positioned, that God knows your name. He knew what country you'd be born in. He knew what your circumstance would be. He knew what city. He knew what people. He knew what friends. He knew what job. He knew what marriage. He knew all of it. And so when you're going through difficult days with a God who is sovereign over your life, and you are put in some circumstances that you have to say, Oh Lord, they're mistreating me. Even if we do good. We do good. We do good. And you say, well, pastor, how could that help me? The scripture says that you'll be blessed. Not because that person deserved whatever you did. In fact, the beautiful thing is they probably didn't. And do you realize that when you treat people well, even if they don't deserve it, that is when you most look like your savior. It's in that even if moment. But if you stay in the flesh, in the flesh, it's like, man, put him up. Let's go. Because in the flesh, y'all like my posture? You're like, wow, he's a fighter. Like, that guy's a fighter. Rawr. But, but even if, even if things are done wrong, even if someone comes at you sideways, even if. I, uh, I texted my wife this week because in every sociological profile, every test we've ever taken, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, DISC, you know, the monkeys, rabbits, and birds, whatever they come up. And every single one, the test givers come back and they're like, man, how's your marriage? Because our two, we just don't go. And so, but so, so I texted, I explicitly texted my wife this week. And I said, I said, baby, I am so proud of you for loving me well through my flare-ups of an eight. It's Enneagram talk. I'm an eight. Through my eight flare-ups and through your desire to be a one or a six, you live out your seven. Isn't that romantic? Hallmark, call me. But, but here's the thing, is that, that, that even if... So, so I had noticed that there were a couple of times when I was reflecting that, that normally, normally, they would have turned into some friction. But I noticed a couple times when I was waiting for friction, Christy just smiled. And I just say, thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit of God. Because grace was provided. Because as, as an eight, I kind of rile up a little bit. If I, if I, if I feel pressure, and, and normally her one and six are, are, are Enneagram types that would basically be like, let me go ahead and pound down your pressure. Like, and, and, and I said, hey, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate it. Because there were some even if moments. And, and so for us, we never look more like Jesus than when we do good even if. Some of you this week, you might just want to write down even if and stick it on your computer screen at work. You might want to put it in your car. You might want to get, listen, you might be like me. You might need a whole stack of post-it notes for all the places in your life where you're going to bump into even if moments. But we do good. 
even if. It says, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer, you will be blessed. Have no fear, nor be troubled, even if. We're not worthy of God's grace, but He still gives it anyway. We move on in verse 15. It says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as what? Holy. We do holy. We do holy. Sometimes we, we, we mess this up. Sometimes it's, it's love or holiness. Sometimes people believe, well, I, I'm going to be all about love. But what that means is I've got to let holiness slide, meaning righteousness, doing the right thing, lining up with God's law. Some of us believe that if I have, if I'm going to be all about love, I've got to give up holiness because I've got to love. Some people believe the other way. Some people believe, man, if, if, if I'm to pursue holiness, then that means I've got to be unloving. And you don't. Don't get caught up into that trap. They're not mutually exclusive. We do holy but we reflect our love of God by our pursuit of holiness. We reflect our love of God by pursuing holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is simply is doing the right thing, doing the God thing. It doesn't mean that you walk around and, and, and you're pompous or arrogant or putting people down or using your Bible as a hammer over people's heads. That's not what holiness is. Holiness is simply living pure before God. Holiness is when, when you're walking into a situation, Lord, is this your will or not? Holiness is praying over your children. Holiness is praying over your home. Holiness is when you know the Spirit of God has called you to do something, you do it. That's holiness. But we, we demonstrate our love to God by being holy. Now, you don't get a holiness from your self-righteousness. You don't get a holiness from arrogance. You get a holiness from, from a humble submission to the Lord Jesus. And we demonstrate love through holiness. But you know, also, we, we, we demonstrate holiness. We reflect holiness by our love for God's children. Because if you are living submitted to the Lord your God, then you're living to the, uh, submitted to the one who thought enough about that burglar, that criminal, that drug addict, that, that philanderer, that, 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 that person that, that had the affair, had the abortion. You, you are, are reflecting the glory of a God who thought enough about that person to say, you know what? You're made in my image. You are my masterpiece. And I will kill my son to be with you. And so it's a reflection of your holiness that you would love His children. It's a, a reflection that you love God by living out holiness, it's a reflection of that holiness that you love His kids because He does too. So how can we say holiness is doing what God would want me to do, but I'm not really going to love the person that's done something wrong. I'm not going to love the person that's, that's hurt others. I'm not going to love the person that, that's, that's done a, a horrible act. No, you reflect holiness by doing what a holy God did, which was laying down His life for the other. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Many of us honor Christ the Lord as a lot of things. Savior, blesser, forgiver, healer. We, we honor Christ as a lot of things. But we also have to take some time and pause and make sure we're honoring Christ as holy. And if He's holy, that means there are places and situations 
that I shouldn't entangle myself. If he is holy, then, then there is um, some, some time I need to be given to the Spirit uh, every day, all the time, 24-7. But there are some times I actually have to um, have the Spirit remove me from situations or have the Spirit quelch in me my own fleshly desires. That's living holy. Holy is not uh, like the, the monks in Mighty Python. You know, like that. that's not holy. That's weird. But holy is listening to the Spirit of God every day. And I pray that you'll seek Jesus as holy. We do holy. It goes on, 15b, 1 Peter uh, 3.15. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. For the reason, for a reason, for the hope that is in you. We do hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. We do hope. Here's the deal with hope, though. It says you have to be prepared. Do you know the time to be prepared is not when you're in the game? Do you know the time to be prepared is not once you're already at work? Do you know the time to be prepared is not on the wedding day to go figure out what dress you're going to wear? Being prepared means that you're doing stuff before an incident requires it. Being prepared for, for financial hardship means that before you have financial hardship, you live a certain lifestyle. Being prepared for brokenness. Being prepared, being prepared for loss of life. Being prepared. All of that happens ahead of time. All the stuff that you're going to face, and you know you're going to face it because this world is not your home. Heaven is your home. You are, my friend, a sojourner through this world. Be prepared for the, the incidents that are coming your way. To be prepared means that I've got to gear up in times when I might not need it. I can't wait until my coworker says, tell me about Jesus. And I go, I don't know how. What do, uh, 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 well, there's this picture and he's a surfer California dude with blue eyes and he looks off in the distance and if you bow and pray, God will send you to heaven. Right? Like, if you're not prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, then you're going to be up the creek when somebody says, well, tell me about that faith of yours. So you have to be prepared. What are some some things that, that you should think about being prepared? First, do you have hope? It says for the hope that you have. Do you have hope? Maybe you're somebody that needs the gospel today. Maybe you go to church, but you don't have hope in your life every day for Jesus. And that should, listen, that should not condemn you. You shouldn't feel like, oh man, the, the preacher thinks I'm separate and different. No, no, no. The preacher cares about you. The pastor cares about you. And so maybe, honestly, if there's no hope in your soul for a, for a tomorrow, if there's no hope in your soul for a forever future with God, that's something that really should kind of wrestle with you and just say, you know what, I want that hope for myself. But it doesn't matter how many verses of Scripture you know. It doesn't matter how many Bible sword drills you can win. If you don't have the hope of the living God within you, the being prepared part of it is just saying, do I have that hope? The fact is, i got to ask the question, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christ follower? Not a church follower, not a preacher follower. Are you a Christ follower? Not a political party follower, not a denomination follower. Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christian? Second thought and being prepared. Do you know what you believe and why? It breaks my heart. It troubles me more than anything else right now in the world that Christians have no idea what they believe. No idea. I saw um, Jimmy Kimball did a spot uh, this past week, where, where they put up a map of the whole world. And they just walked around. And they said, here's a, here's a, a stick, 
point out any map, any, any, any boundary, and just tell us what country it is. And there were like 20 people that could not name one country correctly. And they vote. But here's the thing. I genuinely believe there's so much about who God is and about the Scriptures and about what faith means and what church means and what community means and all this, what family is supposed to look like. I really believe there's so many Christians that could not tell you the first thing. Because why? We're not preparing ourselves. We're not studying the Scriptures during the week. We're like, hey, Pastor, that was funny and it said a little good line and a little coffee cup verse and man, I got it. Thanks, thanks for the good week. Or, hey, I sang that song. I have my hand. This week I got my hand above my belt buckle. And so like we we kind of we kind of lower the bar instead of saying, you know what, to be prepared, the scripture calls me to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that I have. Are you a Christian, but also are you an informed Christian? Do you feel that you're an informed Christian? Sundays are for us to gather and to um, re-energize and to be set as one as a unit. That's part of my role is to encourage and equip you to follow Jesus every week. And we have 52 messages around here. They're just packaged differently. They're essentially surrender your life to Jesus, follow Jesus, love Jesus, tell your neighbor about Jesus. And then we package them differently. But that's essentially what you're getting every single time. And we gather. Now, to grow in your faith, there we are the least um, able generation to be able to tell God we just didn't know. We're, we're like the least in all generations of human history that could, that could reasonably argue with God and say, well, God, I just wasn't a, a mature Christian because I just didn't have access. Like half of this room right now is attached to a global citizenry of three or four billion people who are all connected to the Internet. And you're doing it while the preacher's talking. The question is, are we informed Christians? Are we, are we pursuing Jesus each day? I pray you are. Do your beliefs match your behaviors? For you to be prepared to tell somebody else about the hope that you have, you and I have to make sure that our beliefs, our stated beliefs, match our behaviors. Are we acting out the stuff that we say we believe? And if we are not, let's be honest, we got to go to the Lord and apologize for our cognitive dissonance. We've got to go to the Lord and say, God, I am sorry. I know better. I'm not following you. And there's no wonder my coworker, no wonder my coworker hasn't asked me about you, Lord. I haven't spoken about you. No wonder my coworker hasn't said, what's the reason for the hope that you have? Because every single time something goes wrong in my family, I'm gossiping at work. And so at work, there's no one there that believes that I have a lot of hope. And so what you and I have to do is to be able to say, Lord, if that is me, convict me. And if that is me, I want to live for you. And if that's me, Lord, show me how to live out hope. Are my behaviors matching my belief system? And where they don't, Lord, help me get that together. We, we too often times live in codified lives to where we never have to answer for anything. Like we, we, we kind of have built, we got the job we want and we got the house we want and we've got the stuff the way we're working. And yeah, we got some annoyances once in a while. But in terms of looking at our soul and saying, oh Lord, my soul's not right. And Lord, I want to I wanna see that change. I just had the old Michael Jackson song come through. Man in the mirror. Man in the mirror. I could pull out the move, but it wouldn't be appropriate at church. 
Do your beliefs match your behaviors? Are you a trustworthy Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you an informed Christian? Are you a trustworthy Christian? Meaning your co-workers know a lot about you. You're with them more than you're with your family most weeks. Your family knows a lot about you. Do those people see in you a Jesus that is moving your heart? When they write the narrative of your last five years, are they seeing you progressively grow closer to Jesus? It's so important. And, and here's the deal. If not, start today. Don't get wigged out. Don't get sad. Don't beat yourself up. Don't get in the car. Oh, the preacher was mean to me. No. Just be like, I'm starting today. I'm starting today. Because I want my beliefs and my behaviors to match. I want to be trustworthy so that when people come to me, they know I'm living what I'm selling. Do you live a hope-filled life that others will be blessed by? In short, are you a joyful Christian? Are you a joyful Christian? If you are, are, are disgruntled all the time, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Because we of all people, we've got so much to live for. We've got an eternity with our God who in spite of every problem you and I might have, every problem, every challenge that you and I encounter, guess what? We have a, a Jesus who saves us from all of it and says, hey, hang on for a little while because as Paul said, there's nothing. I consider everything rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus my Lord. And so if I've got Jesus as my Lord coming, if I've got an eternity forever, you're going to be in this earth, on this earth, if you're lucky, around a hundred years or less. And you know what? With that, glory to God, whatever He does here. But He's telling us He's got millions of years waiting for us with Him. You either believe that or you don't. Most of us live as practical atheists. Meaning that we want to... Suck up out of this life everything we can, even if it means we deny the eternal life of our Lord and Savior. But man, if we would really believe. Man, if we would really believe that there's a big picture here and our job is to really turn around and take as many people from this side to that side with us. Man, if we would believe that how we live and how we walk and how we talk and how we treat people and how we love and how we give grace and mercy and how we care for the orphan and the widow and how we work with the poor. Man, if we would believe that that is all matters. It all matters because it's taking a whole train of people into heaven with us. Then we would say, oh my goodness, I can bypass some of the... Sucking out of life because I can put in life into a lot of people who don't know the Lord, but they need to know him because man, he's good. Man, he's good. And if he is that good, then why can't I do that as well? Why can't I live that good as well? When we're talking about always being prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, I'm going to give you a pro tip. Figure I'm a pro. I went to cemetery, the seminary. So I, that's always funny. So pro tip, conversions, I'm sorry, conversations are greater than confrontation. Conversations are greater than confrontation. Conversation is greater than confrontation. We live in a confrontational, really a weak, 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 weak with a capital weak, confrontational society. There used to be days if you wanted to vanquish an enemy, 
you had to like dress up in a, in a color, in an outfit, and you had to march, which was stupid. All this was dumb, wasn't it? But they had to march like together in lockstep, get close enough to where the musket could matter, and then fire. There were days before that where two groups of people, think Mel Gibson, would just rush together and really battle. So confrontation used to actually mean something. Now what you can do I hate that. Those people are stupid. Sin. You don't like me? I think your face is ugly. Like we, we live in a world now where we're just exhausted by confrontation. Like you can confront people wearing your pajamas, eating cereal, not taking a shower, brushing your teeth. The world doesn't see you, but you can make, try to make other people feel bad. Here's the deal. The world is exhausted from confrontations. And if you're representing the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, He doesn't need you to defend Him. What He needs you to do is to be a witness and a graceful witness and a loving witness. A witness that is not insecure. When when our insecurities creep into the picture, we're no longer trying to, to make a defense for the hope that we have. We're trying to defend God. We're trying to defend why we go to church. We're trying to defend why we give to the poor. We're trying to defend... Stop! Somebody's like, hey, why do you do that? I do it because I realize that all of us are battling with this thing called sin. And the Scripture says that God has made a way for that to be defeated. We can't defeat it on our own, but the Scripture says that God made a way. His name is Jesus. And I've seen Jesus work in my own life through my family. I've seen Jesus work through my friends. I've seen Jesus work through through, through miracles around me. I've seen Jesus work. And as a result, I've determined Jesus is real. He loves people. And He wants a forever relationship with them. If they would just simply acknowledge that Jesus is who He says He is. So that's why I do it. That's why I give freely. That's why I go to church. That's why I'm in a small group trying to learn more. That's why I pray for people. That's why I cry when other people are hurting. That's why my heart is open to people that are broken. Even hurt people are hurting people. So when someone's hurting someone else, I, I, I break for the, the one who's doing the hurting because I hurt the heart of God. And so that's why. Well, I think that's stupid. Okay. Thanks. There's 7.4 billion people on the planet. The reality is, most of us will only have about a network of 30 to 40 genuine relationships. But we're spending our energy and emotion trying to confront seven point whatever billion people there are that just disagree with you about something. Like at some point, have enough pride in the Lord your God, have enough trust in who He is to say, listen, I'm offer conversations. You want to know what I believe and why? I'm here. And if you're hurting, I might even prompt the conversation by saying, tell me more of your story. Tell me how, man, that must have hurt. 
that that must have, that must really get you upset when you're around people that are reminding you of that. Have conversation. You don't have to just say, "You're wrong." Let me pounce. Here's the Bible. You know, you don't need to do that. Have a conversation. Last but not least, yet the scripture says, "Yet do it with gentleness and respect." Everybody say gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. We do honor. We do honor. It says, we do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, people talking bad about you, those who revive your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it's better to suffer for doing good, if it should be God's will, than for doing evil. We do honor. We do honor. Honor is considering others above yourself. Honor is lifting up the weaker vessel, not crushing it because you're stronger. Honor is, is giving a place for others. That's what honor is. Honor is leveraging your life so that others are better off. And we're supposed to honor. You see, it's, it's not honor if, if it's the CEO of your organization comes through and you just kiss their tail for 10 minutes trying to get a promotion. It's not honor. That's being a kiss-up. Honor is what you do with the janitor. Honor is when somebody has uh, their lights on in front of you at the, when you're trying to park for work. And there's one parking spot nearby. Honors when you say, Lord, thank you for legs that I can walk 10 more feet. We do honor. Honoring others because you must is weakness. Honoring others because you must demonstrates weakness. That means you're not secure in yourself yet. But honoring others when you do not have to. Now that's strength. Meaning the other person, they can do nothing for you. The other person can't give you promotion. The other person can't give you money. The other person might not even know your name. But if you'll honor that person in the secret place, the Lord will honor you in the other places. The Lord will lift you up even though you don't deserve it. Dude, does any of us deserve the Lord's graciousness to us? Do we deserve for God to put us on high places? Do we deserve for God to let us live in, in, in this culture, in this country, and have the freedom? To, do we deserve any of it? No, we don't deserve anything. So why is it God's people walk around constantly trying to figure out who deserves their love? Honoring people that are above you and they could do something for you, that's weak. It's weak. Should you still honor those people? Yeah, but don't pat yourself on the back. Well, the CEO came by and I pulled out his chair. Who cares? What'd you do for the custodian? What'd you do for, for your neighbor, your elderly neighbor that you know can't mow her grass when it's 90 degrees or you, you know can't shovel the driveway? Like, what are you doing for people around you? What are you doing for kids that just need a, a, a safe home to go to once in a while? We do honor. We do honor as a church. We lift up those who might not feel they're worthy. Here's the last bit for today. Character is displayed by how you treat the people who cannot help you. Character, good or bad, is on display by how we treat the people who cannot help us. And so this week, your new goal is not just to be nice. This week, our goal is to honor. Honor the Lord by, by our holiness, honor the Lord 
by, by loving him by, and, and through our holiness, but because of our holiness, loving people around us, honoring the Lord by, by recognizing that, you know what, Lord, I am judged by how I treat the least of these. I am judged by how I treat people that cannot help me. I am judged by what I think and what I do when there are no spotlights on. And so, Lord, will you help me to honor you by honoring others? Will you help me to be ready to give a defense for the hope that I have in you? Help me to be a witness, not a judge, not a prosecutor's attorney, just a witness. Lord, help me to realize that my life and my decisions and how I live mean that there are millions of people that might possibly interact with me and I need to be able to pull them in. My life is bigger than my life. And so my behaviors are bigger than my behaviors in that moment. Help me, Lord, to give a reason. Help me, Lord, to give hope to these people who have no hope so that they might see the love of God, how He's lavished His grace over me. So let me lavish my grace and love on them so that they might be Him too. Then when we all get there, when we get to heaven, and the saints go marching in, let there be a train of people behind you to where your life didn't just matter because you were a nice moral person in Western Christianity. But let your life matter because there's a train of people who are coming to heaven because you let your life be leveraged to the glory of God. We do hope. We do honor. We do love. We do grace. We're the family of God. Let's go be it this week. Amen. Let's pray.